Hello, my friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to Morning Glory, our midweek Bible study. I'm so happy that you're here today, and I want to invite you to join me today in God's Word. We will be in Numbers chapter 14. We're going to talk about the 10 trials that Israel went through while in the wilderness. Praise the Lord. Let's remember also that as we examine this today, we need to be mindful that we as Christians on our spiritual journey also face the exact same 10 trials. And we want to get through them so that we can get into the promised land and possess and do everything that God has pre-prepared for us to accomplish. Praise God. All right, so let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we jump into your word, we ask that your Holy Spirit would unveil your word to us so that we can walk in it and take it and put it to use and put it to work in our lives. Father, we thank you for victory over every temptation, over every test, over every trial. We thank you for grace to go in to our full inheritance. We give you the praise in Jesus' name. Let's all say amen. Numbers 14, verse 19. Moses is interceding to the Lord on behalf of the people of Israel. Pardon the iniquity of this people, I pray, according to the greatness of your mercy, just as you have forgiven this people from Egypt even until now. Then the Lord said, I have pardoned according to your word, but truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Now listen very carefully to verse 22. Because all these men who have seen my glory and the signs which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness have put me to the test now these ten times and have not heeded my voice. They certainly shall not see the land of which I swore to their fathers, nor shall any of those who rejected me see it. Very, very interesting. Now, my friends, as we look at this today, we do understand from the biblical study of perhaps what we could call typology, understanding Old Testament types and shadows and the reality of what that means for us as New Testament believers. Yes, we understand that in, in so many ways, it was not possible for Moses to bring them into the Canaan land. Why? Because if he could have done so, that would have meant that the law was all that was needed, and, and there's no need for Jesus because they got into the land of rest just through the law alone. But that's not possible. We know that Moses is a representation of the law, but you cannot achieve God's best for your life. You cannot, you cannot uh, work with the Lord without His grace. You cannot come into His rest without His grace. So that's why there was another leader, Joshua, a real, a real person. But the per Joshua was a he was a type, a symbol of Christ. And Christ is able to take us into our rest, our full inheritance. Praise the Lord. And of course, we know the name Joshua is, is really translated the same name as Jesus, Yeshua. Praise God. Mm -mm. And we see this as well. Let's take a look at this verse very quickly. John chapter 1, verse 17. 
for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So the law was given through Moses, and Moses could not get them into Canaan land. So we need God's grace, praise the Lord. And there's grace for every trial. Mm -mm. Now, as we look at this, keep in mind that Israel failed all 10 trials. But my friends, you're going to pass through. I, I even see you passing with flying colors. And I see you being a Christian who utilizes the grace of God and goes across the Jordan into the promised land, and you possess your inheritance. Mm -mm. You know, there's so much that we could talk about, even how yet several tribes, even before they crossed the Jordan into the Canaan land, they said, oh, the other side, uh, the east side of the, uh, of the Jordan, we'll just take this land over here. You have so many Christians that are willing to settle for a partial inheritance. Instead of getting God's best, they're just willing to accept good. And we want to go all the way. Yes, it takes a greater push, a greater commitment, uh, and a, uh, a willingness to be obedient. But in the end, uh, the results and the eternal impact are well worth it. Praise the Lord. Um, I, I think it's also important before we start talking about the 10 to remember also that when the Israelites were encountering these various trials, we do have to acknowledge that it was actually the Holy Spirit leading them into it, not to set them up for failure, but to set them up into a place where they must learn to trust in God. And if they will trust him and have the right heart attitude, they will see uh, God bring them through, and also faith will develop. But so often, we know that they were not cooperative with that. So uh, really, these various difficult challenges were designed by God to be stepping stones. But Israel, I think, turned them uh, so often into stumbling blocks. We understand that the cloud was a guide for the nation of Israel. That was the Holy Spirit working there in, in and through that cloud. Sometimes people describe it as being two distinct elements, such as the cloud by day, fire by night. But it's really just one. It's a fiery cloud. And so during the daytime, you see the cloud over the, the, the tent area of the, the tabernacle and as well as over the people. And so when the cloud moved, you moved with the cloud because out in the desert, the Sinai Desert, in the summer, it can get literally 140 degrees Fahrenheit. So you need that uh, air conditioning system that's up there. You better move with the cloud or you're going to get real hot. And so God had this all covered. And at nighttime, the cloud would be illuminated with fire. There would be fire in the cloud, but it's still the cloud. So it's a fiery cloud. And that fiery cloud would keep uh, predators away, lions, they all... Uh, primarily hunt at night. I know there's a lot of nature videos of lions being busy during the daytime, but uh, lions are primarily nocturnal, just like all cats are. And so night times are very dangerous, but that, uh, that would be a spectacular sight to see that fiery cloud at night. And you would also know that the, the neighboring small nation groups, nation states, they could see that too. And, uh, they would be very uh, troubled by a sight like that and uh, would let Israel pass on. 
So if the cloud stopped, they stopped. If the cloud moved, they went with it. So the Lord was trying to lead his people through the Holy Spirit, through the cloud experience, not to um, bring them into something they couldn't handle, but to lean on the Lord and to learn his ways. So it was really only Moses that knew the ways of God. Uh, the children of Israel were taught the commandments of the Lord, but they never really understood uh, what uh, God's heart was. But Moses spoke face to face with the Lord. Praise God. Praise God. All right, let's talk about these 10 trials. Number one, the number one trial they faced, and the first trial that any Christian faces is opposition from the world. And what I mean by that is the temptation to go back to the world. Because when you leave Egypt, Pharaoh says, hey, we've noticed that you left. Why don't you come back? We've got all the leeks and onions and the melons and all the things that you used to like. Not only that, not only do we have vegetables, but we've got all the sin that you used to enjoy. And Egypt was a type of the world system. Pharaoh was a, a type, a shadow of Satan. And they had left that and come out of that. And they were out of Egypt. But I think we could rightfully say that Egypt was not yet out of them. And as Christians, there's that temptation to want to go back to the ways of the flesh that were unhindered and unchecked before we gave our hearts to Christ. And uh, the world, you know, throws all of these things that perhaps gripped the child of God previously. You have, you have alcohol and you have drugs and you have sexual immorality and you have bars and you have parties and you have all this stuff that the world says, hey, we're, we're still out here and we'd love to have you come back. And so you have to continue on with the Lord. But so often the Israelites, they would get upset at Moses and they'd say, no, we need to go back. We've had it out here. We want to go back to Egypt. So <laughs> you have to just realize I, I'm never going back. I'm not going back to sin. I'm totally, completely done with that. That is permanently cut off. And that's something that you maintain because uh, the devil, uh, he'll try to dangle those things still out there to you, even if you've been in the faith for quite some time. So I think there are some areas he realizes, hey, they're gone in this area, but other areas he'll, he'll still work with certain scenarios of uh, temptations and everything. But just make a, a firm decision in your heart. I never, no matter what I face or go through, I'm never, ever going back to sin. I'm not going back into that lost world thinking that the answers are out there somewhere. The only answer is in the Lord Jesus Christ and complete faith and trust in him. Praise the Lord. All right, so that number one trial, opposition from the world, and it's, uh, it's temptations to lure you back to it. Number two, the number two trial they ran into was the bitter water experience. And this happened at Mara. And the children of Israel, they were, they were in this place where now there's water that's available, but they can't drink it. And the bitter water can speak to us of bitter experiences that we go through as Christians. And we think, well, that's not, that's not fair. That's not right. That's not just. And perhaps it wasn't. Maybe you were lied about. Maybe you even lost a position because somebody lied about you, so you had a bitter experience, or you had a disappointment. You applied for a job, and you really, really prayed about it, and you thought, surely God is in this, and you didn't get the job, or something like that, or uh, just a number of things that, as we go through life, can be 
Mara-type experiences where you taste the water and it's bitter. Well, what was done in that time to heal the water? They threw a tree into the water uh, through direction of the Lord. And they threw the tree into the water and the water became sweet. And the tree represents the cross of Christ. I wouldn't doubt one bit that the tree they threw in there even looked uh, like a cross. My friends, just take it to the Lord. Take it to the cross. Uh, Jesus, while he was anointed with the oil of joy, he also knew uh, deep errors, uh, areas of sorrow that he had to pass through. He knew bitter experiences. He knew betrayals. He knew what it was to be slandered and lied, and you know, you're not able to defend yourself. And you really see the character of the Lamb in Christ, where he was very meek, very, uh, very gentle person. Praise the Lord. So, yes, we have these things, but let us just take it to the cross and realize that God is bigger and that the meek shall inherit the earth. Woo! Praise God. Mm -mm. So, don't let bitter experiences make you bitter. <laughs> That's what happened to them. They got real bitter. <laughs> you know, um, bitter people even look, they even look bitter. Mm. Wow. Stay away from that. Praise the Lord. Now, the next trial they ran into that they failed was the trial of hunger. And this thing of not having the food that you want or not having the gratification of being able to eat what you want can represent economic trials and challenges that the Lord will allow you to go through so that you develop trust and faith in Him. And this, wow. Uh, this is very, very important. Praise the Lord. Uh, there can be seasons in your life where you don't have the breathing room financially that you would like, and perhaps you're tithing, and you're operating in biblical principles, and you're you're, you're using good stewardship and so forth. But you still you still don't have the liberty financially that you would. Uh, prefer. What do you do during times like that? Do you make demands to God? Do you get angry? Do you get frustrated? No, you just stay with the Word. You keep working the Word, and you walk in, in the character of Christ even during times of what we would call hunger. Praise the Lord. You know, um, there was a great prophet of God, a uh, very, very godly prophet, who talked about the time when he was young in ministry. And the Lord was really teaching him reliance upon the Lord for his personal needs. Now, you know, in, in ministry, if, if I'm leading the, the ministry, I, I myself, I can't carry all of the needs of the ministry. It, it's too much for one person. It's too much for me. So I have to share the needs of the ministry. But so often when it's something that's personal, I have to use my faith just like you have to use yours. And so this dear prophet, he was being taught by the Lord that he has to use his faith and trust God for his personal needs to be met. And he said that one day he and his wife were home and they had no food and they had no money. But he said he knew of a Christian minister that if he called him, that minister would certainly help him out because that man was very compassionate. So this prophet said, you know, I thought about going over there and just picking up the phone and calling him, and I knew instantly my stress would be over with. I would have some, he'd give me some money, I'd go out and buy some food, and it'd be over with just like that. 
and he was thinking about making the call, and the Holy Spirit spoke to him. And uh, here's what the Lord said. If you touch that phone and make that call, I'm through working with you. Woo! Now, doesn't mean he's not saved. Doesn't mean he's not anointed. It just means in this area where God's trying to teach him, uh, if he disobeys and picks up that phone and tries to become his own God, well, if God's not going to do it, I'll get it done. You, I'll, I'll for sure get it done. See, that's you trying to usurp God, and you're trying to be God. And if you, there, th- this is stuff that's very, very important, and you learn it during times when you're hungry. <laughs> Woo, praise the Lord. Mm-mm. Wow, and I've had those times. I, I learned that when I was early in ministry, if I had personal needs, uh, even if the needs were were there in the sense, well, I don't have enough money. Do not wave a flag and tell people that. Because if you don't look to the Lord, you're going to have a couple things take place. Number one, you could you could end up trying to manipulate others. And now you're dropping little hints because you, you're trying to get over to them that you need some help. And uh, you're trying to do it in a subtle way, but that's all in the flesh and that's wrong. And if you do that, then God's not going to, he's not going to step in and do what only he can do because you're trying to now work this stuff out in your own strength and your own ability. And that is over and over what the Israelites did. Wow. Uh, You can also get into a place in these areas if you don't trust him when you're hungry, you can get into areas where you'll you'll literally humiliate yourself. You'll do things that are stupid that if you had dignity and strength, there's no way you would grovel and beg or humiliate yourself like that. Um, uh, And so, you know, this is why we must trust the Lord in these areas of personal need. Now, some of you have been watching me for years and years, hundreds of messages as you've seen on the internet. And quite often I share about the needs of the ministry, but in the hundreds of programs you have ever watched me uh, speak to you through the lens of the camera, have you ever heard me say, um, Hey, uh, anybody out there, I just need you to know, uh, could, could you buy me a cheeseburger? Um, you know, I, I don't have any money. Me and Pastor Kelly, uh, we ate the last, we ate the last box of ramen noodles last night. Uh, I, please somebody help me out. no, no, <laughs> <laughs> I've never done that. And also, as you can tell, I, uh, you know, I'm not really eating ramen noodles. I mean, I do like ramen noodles. I, I love Japanese food. But um, no, God's taking care of me, praise God. That's because I've learned to put my trust in Him. Oh, these things are critical. And as we know, Israel, uh, they never got that right. They just failed in that area. Okay, let's move on. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. The next thing, which is more difficult than hunger, is thirst. While hunger can certainly get your attention, thirst, if you've ever been extremely thirsty, you know it's a, it's a craving on a, a different level. I have uh, almost died before because of lack of thirst. I got out in the desert and uh, got lost and uh, almost died. The grace of God, I got out of that situation. But I was right on the edge where I wasn't sweating anymore anymore my body couldn't it didn't have any uh anything left in me to push out even when it was a hundred and probably about 132 i think and uh so i i know what it's like to have an extreme thirst when you do anything for a drop of water what does thirst represent well they encountered it and thirst would represent dry 
and boring times. Seasons of your life that you have to go through, which is why scripture says, be ready in season, out of season, because it's not like fireworks are going off all the time. (laughs) I mean, you could be right in the middle of revival, but still, you know, uh, uh, as wonderful as everything is, you can have you can have uh, down times, and you're like, Lord, what's not what's going on, Lord? Not too much going on, you know. Uh, uh, even even in in a place where miracles are happening, you can actually, if I can say this respectfully, it's almost like you could even get used to miracles. Oh, that's just another person getting out of a wheelchair. Oh, that's just another deaf person having receiving their hearing. You have to be very careful with these types of things of how you deal with thirst. And I believe the best way to deal with uh, dry or what we would even call boring times is just worship. And that's the reason you have that downtime. That's the reason uh, perhaps God's given you this season and you can't run, run, run right now because of the various factors you have in your life. Maybe your parents have gotten older. Maybe you've got to take care of your parents and that is de- demanding a lot of your attention. You can't you can't do all the exciting stuff or something. You have a maybe somebody's sick and you you're the one that's got to be there for them. And so you're not out you know uh, in the life of the party anymore. What do you do when you're thirsty? You worship. And if you'll do that, you'll also realize there are times when the Lord Himself still is thirsty. Remember when He was on the cross, He said, "I thirst," and I thank today that one of the things he thirsts for uh, is praise. He wants people to praise him. See, when we worship, he is the living water. He is our life. But when we praise him, we actually quench his thirst. So thirst can be an okay thing, but we have to, we have to deal with it properly. Mm. And of course, the Israelites did not do that. Okay. Let's move on to the next one. Uh, the fifth trial that they ran into was idolatry. And you know the classic story of the crazy golden calf, even as Aaron tried to explain it to Moses. Well, uh, you know, Moses, you know, it just all happened so fast. You know, we just had a bunch of gold come together. We threw it in the fire, and this this thing just came out. <laughs> Moses like, oh, is that right? Yeah, I'm going to make you, we're going to grind it the powder. I'm going to make all of you drink it. Mm. Oh, Lord have mercy. What a mess. But potentially, it doesn't necessarily have to be a, a golden calf. And again, that's the connection to Egypt and the longing to go back to what they knew and all the carnality mixed in with that. But it doesn't have to be um, a golden calf or something that you really bow down to, literally get in front of it, bow down, lift your hands up to it. But it has the potential to be anything that would just push the Lord to the side and say, Lord, uh, I love you, I worship you. But in this area, don't interrupt me or disturb me in this area. Well, Jesus should be able to walk in at any time. He's the king of the universe. He is the almighty creator. Without him, we would be lost. So we always have to have him number one. I do have a friend. I haven't seen him in a while. He's gotten... He's gotten uh, pretty old, but, um, you know, uh, some years back, he, uh, he told me that when March Badness rolls around, which is uh, NCAA basketball finals, where all the teams around the country uh, converge and play, and, you know, you, then you get the final 16 and then the final eight down to the final four, and then, you know, who's going to win the whole thing? Well, he said to me, when March Badness rolls around, nobody interrupts him. 
He shuts everything down for the whole month and does nothing but stay glued to the TV, watching the, the basketball and uh, you know on every channel. He's got to watch every single game, and he follows it. I said, well, I said, now what if the Lord wants to visit you during March, and uh, what if he wants to grant you a divine visitation? He said, well, he said, nobody interrupts me in March. Uh, well, he actually, during one of the uh, one of the games, he ate so many, uh, uh, you know, the chicken wings. He had ordered a whole bunch of them to watch the game, and he ordered a bunch of real super hot ones from Domino's Pizza or somewhere like that. He ate so many chicken hot wings, they had to take him to the hospital. <laughs> so I, I thought it was the funniest thing in the world because uh, his March Madness got interrupted. Wow. You're, you're talking borderline, you see what I'm saying, golden calf stuff here. Uh, watch out, particularly with him because he actually had a calling uh, to the prophetic and could have slipped into a deeper level because I've sat next to him before and he was he's picking up supernatural words of knowledge just kind of sharing things with me. He would say like, uh, Stephen, this is what I'm getting from the Lord. And he, he would be right on. Um, but he never, he never got control of these areas and uh, maybe never will. Bless his heart. Good man, yes. Great potential prophetically, yes. But um, certain areas, a little bit there like the Israelites, just never quite got it figured out in those areas and thus never got into the Canaan land that God had for them. Praise God. Let's move on. Number six, complaining about the circumstances. Okay, and uh, you have to realize that if you are a person that complains, you're going to lose favor quickly with God, and you're going to need His favor. Mm. Uh, it's very, very hard to fulfill your destiny in the Canaan land without the favor of God. Matter of fact, you might not even get across the river, <laughs> the Jordan, into the Canaan land without some favor. You're going to need the blessing. The blessing is the empowerment to prosper. But favor is what positions you for all of those empowerments so that you can appropriate it and go do what God has called you to do. Mm -hmm. So watch out for complaining. You'll lose favor with God. You'll lose favor with, with people. Nobody really wants to be around a complainer except for other complainers. Mm, that's a bad company to be in. Now, this uh, statement I'm about to make, it's actually not in the Bible, but a prophet one time actually heard the Lord speak this to him. Don't curse the darkness, light a candle. Now, I think somebody made that statement, you know, quite some time back in history. It became kind of a famous statement. So it's not in the Bible, but actually a prophet uh, was in a very negative circumstance one, one time. And he said, well, Lord, what should I do? And he said, the Lord actually told them that. Don't curse the darkness, light a candle. In other words, stay in faith and don't complain because complaining is an, exp it's an expression of, of unbelief. And you had you had the ten spies that gave the evil report, and it spread f fear and unbelief throughout the entire congregation of Israel. But you had the two spies, Joshua and Caleb, that had, that had a different spirit, and that different spirit is faith. They had the spirit of faith, and they actually said, hey, we not only can do this, we can, we can go do it right now. Now we can go up right now and take this. 
And the negative report of the spies was so damaging and it influenced the people so much, the people actually wanted to stone Joshua and Caleb. So think about that, of of how detrimental all of this complaining and negativity can be. It can keep you out of your inheritance. We must be careful to avoid it. Number seven, the seventh trial that the Israelites faced was they were always unthankful. And unthankfulness is really one of the first steps towards backsliding, towards going away from God. We see this in Scripture in Romans chapter 1 and in verse 21. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. So we have to be very, very careful that we are always praising God, thanking God for every good thing. And of course, we can't help but be mindful of the ten uh, lepers that were healed by the Lord Jesus Christ. And in Luke chapter 17, verse 15, it says, And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned, and with a loud voice glorified God, and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him, that would be Jesus, thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So I'm not saying that uh, Jewish people are unthankful. But I am saying in this real-life story that happened in the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, nine of those people were Jewish, and not one of the Jewish people came back that was healed. Not one of the Jewish lepers came back and thanked the Lord. But the one who did, he was not a Jew. He was a Samaritan. (laughs) Now, I do know some uh, Jewish people that are very, very thankful to the Lord in constant praise to the Lord. But this is something that ancient Israel struggled with. And the Lord would do incredible miracles for them. And uh, he would give them manna, miracle food. They, they ate angel's food. And they, weren't, they were not thankful for it. They were not thankful for it. The Lord would rain down quail. And they would, they would take it. And they were not thankful for it. You know, I remember when I was in college, uh, I was talking with uh, a dear brother, and he and I had a question. Is it actually scriptural to thank God for our food every single time we eat? And uh, now that might, that might seem like an easy uh, question to answer, like, well, sure, you, you should. But he, he said, you know, Stephen, I'm going I'm to research my Bible. He was getting the Bible degree. He said, I'm going to research my Bible, see what Scripture says, particularly in the New Testament. And he came back to me the next day at the cafeteria while we're having lunch. And he sat down with me and he said, look at this. When the Apostle Paul was on that ship that was driven by the storm and they're out there for 14 days with no food, then finally Paul said, we're going to have to eat because God has shown me what's going to happen. And we're going to need our strength because many of you are about to go for a swim. We're going to have a wild ride. And he said, you're going to need your strength. So they took bread and he prayed over it in front of all of the men and blessed it. And of course, we know Jesus would pray over food and bless it. But he said, look, Stephen, there it is in the Bible. I said, well, from this day forward, I'm praying over every single meal I ever eat. Woo, glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> He's probably been doing the same thing too. Amen. 
Hallelujah. God made him into a real good preacher. Praise the Lord. All right, so we always want to be those who have thankful hearts, just continually praising the Lord. Uh, be very careful when you really desire something, then God gives it to you, and you're thinking for about uh, a week or two weeks, and then it's all over with. Uh, don't do that. Always be thankful. Every time I get into my vehicle, and I didn't get it last week or the week before, every time I get into my vehicle, I say, Lord, thank you. Wow. Wow. Thank you for my vehicle. God, I thank you that you gave me this vehicle. Praise your Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. And because I'm so very thankful to him for it, I take good care of it. I keep it clean and so forth. But it means a lot to me. And um, I've always done that with my vehicles. And the Lord has always kept me in a very nice chariot. Praise God. Be thankful. Be thankful. Don't let that be a trial that you stumble over. Praise the Lord. Number eight. The number eight trial was that of gluttony. And the children of Israel struggled with the areas of the flesh when God rained down the quail. They just went wild, and they're eating it like crazy, and God, was, God got upset. And the Bible says a lot about these areas of control. And I know in church circles, in evangelical-type church circles, it's actually celebrated to be a big eater. And um, I think we have to be careful in these areas. Everybody has a different body frame, a, a different body structure, you know, big bones, small bones, tall, short, and, uh, everything in between. But my friends, you have a set body weight that God gave you, and you have to stay within that. Now think about God's wisdom. You have to stay within the parameters of how he created your body in order to accomplish your assignment. Okay. So, uh, you know, I'm five foot ten and a half. So uh, that indicates several things to me. One, I do not have a future career in the NBA as a center. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> if you're not at least seven foot tall, uh, that's probably not where you're going to be uh, at. And so God gave you your body on purpose, and you need your body to be where God has centered it to be in order to accomplish what you're supposed to do. And if you let that go and you break those parameters, you could, you could be in some areas where you may not be able to do everything that God told you to do in the land of Canaan. Mm -mm. So you're going to have some giants to kill and some battles to fight, and you're going to need your health and your strength. So take care of yourself. It doesn't mean that you have to be a fitness guru or something like that. But watch out for these areas that even in the church can be celebrated. See, I grew up down south, and um, at every lunch and dinner at, I, uh, at my grandmother's, and all, all during the summer, me and my brothers would stay uh, full-time with my grandparents, and they had that old southern hospitality uh, mindset my grandmother did where uh, you have to have the double portion. Uh, Stephen, uh, would you like a double portion? Uh, uh, grandma, I'm full. No, 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 no. You got a little more room. And the next thing you know, you, you, you have to eat because you, it was that mentality that you're not a real man unless you just gobble down mountains of food. <laughs> and so, so you had some uh, real men with some, uh, real big belts, praise the Lord. And, uh, I'm just saying, let us glorify the Lord in all that we do because we need our health. Hallelujah. You might want to be uh, like uh, some of these saints of old that went past 100 and kept on going. Amen. I believe that's a, actually a, a truth that the Lord is restoring back to the church, and that would be the fullness 
uh, of the days that the Lord has decreed for us. So take care of yourselves. Watch out for the area of pleasant food. We do live in a Western culture that, how can we say, uh, that celebrates food to a degree where you almost think like, uh, like, like the experience is going to be like divine. Well, I can certainly appreciate a good steak. I can certainly tell the difference between good food and food that uh, I'll never eat there again. Okay, but we need to consecrate our appetites to the Lord. Mm -hmm. Glory to God. Okay, let's move on. Number nine, it's very, uh, very important. Um, and I'll say this: in these areas of trial and temptations. The ones that are spiritual are the ones that God responds to so much faster than any other. There are the areas of the flesh, things you can do in the flesh. You know, God, God realizes, okay, I'm, I'm going to have to work with them in this area. But when you get into areas of what I would call spiritual sins, you have to get it. You have to get that under the blood and repent real quick because the Lord deals very differently in these areas of spiritual sins. And I want to talk just for a moment about number nine, criticism against God's anointed leadership. The children of Israel were not just every now and then criticizing Moses. They were almost constantly criticizing him. And that wasn't enough. They not only criticized Moses, they took full aim at Aaron also. <laughs> and, they, and they let him have it. They just the criticizing uh, so often and then, believe it or not, Aaron and Miriam teamed up against Moses, and they forgot, hey, that's the guy that's talking to God face to face. My friends, uh, ministry is very interesting. The fivefold ministry offices of apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, they are grace gifts. And when Christ ascended on high, he gave gifts unto men. Those are ministry gifts. They're given completely by grace. And so it is given by the selecting and choosing of Christ himself. And if something is not right, my friends, don't criticize. Um, even, if, even if things are really getting off the rails, the train's starting to run off the rails, well, get off the train but do so peacefully and don't, um, uh, don't, uh, just smear and, uh, slander and, uh, do something like that against a, a man of God. You want to be very, very careful that you honor the Lord in this area. Um, because every preacher, no matter how anointed you think they are, they have a human side. And let's go back 50 years. Jerry Savelle said that uh, the, the wonderful, the esteemed Bible teacher, Jerry Savelle said that uh, he was so influenced by Kenneth Copeland because Kenneth Copeland's ministry revealed to him the truth and the integrity of God's word on a level he had never seen before. And it was the turning point of his life. And God had so sovereignly designed Brother Jerry's ministry that his ministry was going to be connected through covenant relationship with Kenneth Copeland. And so Jerry said that all he ever saw uh, for like the first year or so would be 
if Kenneth Copeland came in and preached or, you know, did a conference at the church, and he would see that preaching, and he would see that anointing, and he would see the power of God upon Kenneth Copeland's life. And uh, that's, that's the only element that he knew of Kenneth Copeland was the anointed man of God. But then the Lord instructed Jerry Savell and his wife to move the Fort Worth because they would be joining up with Kenneth Copeland and they're going to be doing some ministry together and Jerry Savell is going to be running the tape ministry for uh, Kenneth Copeland and so forth. And Jerry said something very interesting that the Lord told him three things before he moved to Fort Worth. And the Lord said, I need you to know these three things because you're about to go assist and stand with Kenneth Copeland, my servant. So he told him these three things. And one of those things was, the Lord said to him, when you go to Fort Worth, you're about to see the human side of Kenneth Copeland. And how you respond to that determines how far you will go with him. Wow. My friends, please understand that. There's the ministry and there's the man. And behind the ministry, behind the raising of the dead, behind the anointed preaching, there's still a man that when that, anointed, when that anointing lifts, yes, he's still a Christian, he's still a believer, but when that anointing lifts, he's very, very much human. Or if it's a female minister, she's very much human. We have to be aware of these things, particularly if you're privileged by God to have access to a great man or woman of God. And uh, that, that, that is a great honor to have access. But with that access, you have to understand that even though you see their humanity, do not mistake that for uh, some type of justification that you now have a right to criticize them or to speak against them because they're not perfect. No, <laughs> that's very, very careful. So uh, just be careful in this area of speaking against ministers. Kenneth Hagin, uh, many years back, uh, Prophet Kenneth Hagin talked about the time that he was teaching a Sunday school class. And all the men, it was a men's Sunday school class. And one of the, one of the men in the class asked a question and said, uh, uh, Reverend Hagin, Pastor Hagin, what do you think about that minister who's been in the newspaper? He said, do you think that guy is deserving of all the trouble or something like that that he's in. And Kenneth Hagin said, yeah, I agree. I agree that he's in trouble and he's, he's, he's done wrong. Said something basically like that. Well, uh, Kenneth Hagin said he didn't really think anything about it. Uh, but later that night when he went home, his wife was somewhere else, in a different city, but he was, he went home. And when he went to go to sleep that night, he laid on the bed, but before he laid on the bed, he turned the light out he put, you know, with the, that back in the old days, you just had a light bulb and a, a light bulb cord. You pull the cord, the light goes out. So he pulled the cord, the light went out, and he laid down. And he said, the light went right back on. <laughs> but it wasn't, the light wasn't coming from the light bulb, it was coming from God. And Jesus came into the room and said, and said, who are you to judge another man's servant? And Kenneth Hagin said, Lord, Lord, what do you mean? And the Lord spoke again and said, who are you to judge another man's servant? And suddenly uh, Kenneth Hagin knew what was going on. And uh, he, was, he said, well, Lord, I didn't judge that man. He said, you did. He said, you did judge him. Does he work for you? And Kenneth Hagin said, oh, Lord, no, Lord, he doesn't work for me. He works for you. Then he said, you have no right judging him. And so I'm just saying, be careful because a lot of times you can see humanity and Kenneth Hagin said that in that vision, Jesus actually said, if you knew 
the, the pressure and stress he has been under behind the scenes, you would in no way judge or speak against him. But he said, I know what he's going through. And he has done better in that situation than what most people would do. Most would have collapsed. So um, these, these are things we just don't always know. But if you make these type of mistakes, they're spiritual mistakes, and the Lord judges much faster. Be very quick to get those things under the blood of Jesus. The Lord takes it very, very seriously. And unfortunately, that was something that ancient Israel stumbled over many times, which was criticism against God-appointed leadership. Praise God. That doesn't mean leaders can't uh, make mistakes or we can even have some bad apples. Uh, we know well the story of Balaam in the Bible, and he really went crooked. But you have to understand Balaam at one point had a tremendous walk with God, and he was an extremely powerfully anointed prophet. But he had an Achilles heel, and the enemy exploited that, and um, uh, Balaam ends up compromising and basically loses his life uh, shortly thereafter. He was even killed by the Israelites in battle. So uh, the Lord knows how to remove those that need to be removed, but uh, let us be very careful in the way that we speak, praise God, concerning these things, because Moses was spoken against by Miriam and Aaron, primarily by Miriam, who stirred that up, and she got hit with leprosy. And so the Lord took it very seriously. Praise God. Let's be careful in that area. And finally, number 10, which was the big one, the primary trial that they just flopped on. Oh, and it happened at the worst time. It happened in Kadesh Barnea. They were just right on the edge and the border of the land of Canaan, and they totally blew it on the number 10. And that's unbelief. Wow. Um, the the uh, 10 spies had so troubled the people of Israel with their evil report. And I, I'm sticking with the King James Version on that one. It literally calls it an evil report. This is not a bad report or a negative report. No, this was evil, what they did. And it spread like wildfire through the people, almost like a pandemonium of fear and hysteria of fear. And, um, oh, it's not good. And they're right on the edge. And that's, you have to understand the context when Joshua and Caleb are saying, we can go right now. In other words, we're right here. Let's get this fixed. We're right there. Now's the time. And nope, it didn't happen. And so they went from being so close to 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. Lord, have mercy. And so it is impossible to please God without faith. You must believe the Lord's word. and You must go forward in faith, not doubting but trusting the Lord and the goodness of, of the Lord, that God has a good plan for your life. Praise God. So stay on track, stay in your specific lane and exercise faith in your lane to do what God has called you to do. And God's grace will be there. You'll get across that Jordan. And some of you have already crossed it. You're, you're in the land and you're killing giants and you're going to town. Uh, but I'm just saying, as long as we're on this earth also, we still realize that uh, we are in this area of the valley of the shadow of death. Uh, uh, the valley of the shadow of death that David referred to is not the place of hell. It's actually the place within the earth of sickness and disease and, and uh, death and poverty and murder and all these awful things. And we have to walk through this. Hallelujah. But the Lord is with us. And I see you, my friends, uh, accomplishing what God has called you to do. Amen. So stay sharp and watch out for these 10 
areas that Israel succumbed to, but which we must conquer, uh, not only externally, but also internally, so that we can go into the land and, uh, and fulfill our calling. Praise the Lord. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I pray for those that are watching, that they not uh, get to Kadesh Barnea and be so close and then pull back because of unbelief. Lord, let them go all the way. Trust you. Hallelujah. We thank you that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the rhema of God. Father, let your people have a rhema today, a fresh word that is tailored, made for them, that causes their spirits to leap with joy and their hearts to surge with faith and trust in you. We thank you, Father, that this is so important that man shall not live by bread alone. We are spirit beings. We're not just human, organic creatures. But, Father, we live by every word, the preceding word that comes out of your mouth, and that is the rhema word. Oh, God, feed us. Feed us, oh, God, with the hidden manna so that we might accomplish our assignments on the earth. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. If you're watching today's program and you have never committed your heart to Jesus Christ, he's waiting on you right now to receive you into his heart and to grant you eternal life and forgiveness of sins and redemption from the cruel taskmaster, the devil himself, the, the, the picture of Pharaoh from the olden days. Right now, if you want to get right with God to escape Egypt and Pharaoh, pray this prayer. Jesus, come into my heart. I give my life to you. Wash my sins away. Write my name in your book of life. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me now. Lead me and guide me from this day forward. In your name I pray, amen and amen. Woo, glory to God. Welcome, my friends. Those of you that just prayed that prayer, welcome to the family of God. <laughs> and don't ever go back to Egypt. <laughs> and of course, you know, I'm not talking about the literal Egypt. And uh, I actually want to go to Egypt sometime and, uh, you know, visit the pyramids and uh, do all the, fun, you know, the uh, cool sites in Egypt. Praise the Lord. Go up what they call Mount Sinai, although I don't think that's the real Mount Sinai. That's a different story. Okay, let's take Holy Communion together. Amen. I think the real Mount Sinai could be in modern-day Saudi Arabia. Some people say it's uh, the mountain called Jabal El Laws. Um, but that's, that's fun history stuff. We'll talk about that some other time. Right now, grab some unleavened bread, some grape juice. Let's pray. Father, we thank you uh, for the bread and juice. We consecrate it and set it apart as holy right now through this prayer. And we thank you that this is now the flesh and the blood of Jesus. Father, as we receive the flesh of Christ, we look at the Israelites with great respect and great love because they were under law. And it just was never going to happen. And that was part of that realization that it was not complete yet. But Father, we thank you for Christ and grace. And by your grace and strength, we not only are able to obey your commandments, we're able to go up and do what you have called us to do. Thank you, Father God. We receive the body of Jesus. We thank you for grace and truth. We thank you, Father God, for victory over every trial. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. Let's receive the flesh of Christ. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus. We thank you, Father God, that in, uh, in so many of these areas, like the Israelites, we have certainly uh, tripped over what was supposed to be stepping stones as well. We've also stumbled in various areas. And Lord, we thank you that you never gave up on us and you never will. So we keep on going and we thank you, Lord, that you're going to keep working with us and developing the mature image and character of Christ within us. So, Father, we celebrate the blood of Christ. We proclaim his death until he comes because it's through his death that we have all of the benefits of the new covenant and that now that we're in Christ, we're tied into the blessing of Abraham. Father, we thank you. Father, we pray also that you would bless the Jewish people, that you would bless Israel, that you would bless Jerusalem, and that many Jewish people would come to know Yeshua as the true Messiah and Savior of the world, because there is no other Messiah besides Yeshua of Nazareth. And Father, we thank you for Jesus, his shed blood. Oh God, we give you praise. He is our Joshua. He is the one that takes us into the promised land. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. We pray. Amen. Let's receive the blood of Christ. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. My friends, thank you for watching today. Enjoy your week and watch out for these uh, 10 areas <laughs> and use them as stepping stones to go from glory to glory, faith to faith. And also I see you going from strength to strength. Thanks for watching. I'll see you back next time. Bye-bye.